0: How y'all doing? What's happening? How's everybody feeling? I just saw this tweet that's kind of blowing my mind. All right, you're offered $5 million to score one basket against Michael Jordan one-on-one. Now, this is MJ in his prime, not MJ in his late 50s or whatever. You're given 10 chances, but if you fail, you won't ever be able to listen to music again. Would you lace up? Now, a lot of people in the reactions are like, oh, shit, yeah, and they're playing these clips from the 90s or 80s of, like, teenagers or people who were able to score on Jordan because they had these, you know, friendly pickup games and on TV or whatever. We're not talking the pickup game bullshit, Michael Jordan, just kind of half-assing it. We're talking NBA Finals 1991-92, Jordan, top of his game, very top of his game. All you got to do is score one basket. Yeah, my answer is absolutely fucking not. Uh, I know we've got a hyperbole addicted society and a lot of A players happening right now, but this man was the very best that ever set foot on the court and the trash talking the guy did alone was legendary. And outside of that, outside of that little fucking cauldron between he and Larry Bird over all those years, you've got this dude who would react to negative criticism, who would react to negative reinforcement in ways that nobody had ever seen. I mean, he's this is the dude that after he retired, he came back to the Bulls during their practice and fucking schooled one of the rookies who came through and like apparently besmirched him somehow or whatever, but this guy is the most competitive motherfucker you're ever gonna meet, and the single greatest basketball player who ever lived so that's five million dollars you're not gonna get, and you're gonna find yourself musicless for the rest of your life, not worth it far as I'm concerned ah, so anyway, how we doing? we feeling good i uh I'm feeling the need to apologize for my fellow townsfolk today i'm um Sure, you guys saw in the news in Huntington Beach over the weekend hundreds of people were uh raging against the deep state machine, uh demanding that the world open back up because they want to go to fucking Baskin Robbins and watch baseball and so on. And, you know, I get the underlying need, like we need to reopen society, businesses are dying, kids need to go to school, so on and so forth, but these fucking bug chasers who are out standing side by side hundreds or even thousands deep in the middle of downtown Huntington Huntington Beach they're no better than bug chasers. These fuckers are they're just cretins and I can't believe they're my fucking neighbors. I mean these are the the parents of my kids' friends, <laughs> you know. It's uh it's just staggering how proudly ignorant and blindly defiant so many of these fucking people are. I live in Huntington Beach if that weren't obvious, but These, uh, these dunce-ass MAGA dorks were out screaming that COVID-19 is a hoax or, you know, something about 5G towers and a cover-up for earthquakes that are going to destroy the world and shoot magma into the sky, you know?
1: 5G is a bioweapon to kill you! It's a 5G, it's a bioweapon to kill you. Why is Elon Musk in such a, such a hurry to get out 5G and blanket the planet with satellites to kill us all? Why? Why? Because they want to kill us all. Bill Gates is a psychopath. Bill Gates wants to kill us all. Bill Gates wants us to have a mandatory vaccine. Bill Gates wants us all microchip. They want to cause unemployment, have social collapse and hunger games. And then they want to roll in communist China. That's what this is all about.
0: Shit was just completely bonkers. And they're exactly the fucking reason why this shit's going to take so much longer for us to get past. I've got a feeling that we're going to see a great many more of these little demonstrations pop up before life goes back to normal. We saw them in Texas. I think there was one in Houston. There's definitely uh, activity going down in Florida. Shamefully enough, my homeland in Michigan, uh, people were out leading the charge on this one. They kind of set the trend, but this shit's ridiculous. And Motherfuckers are out here acting like they could survive two years in some underground bunker with military supplies bursting the borders of their place. But they're so bent out of shape about staying inside for a few weeks that they're raging against the mayors and governors for the right to die on the, fu- on the fucking floor of a Dave and Buster's. Like, shit's stupid, man in bug chasers my it keeps going through my head that term that term was first coined for people who had a fixation with getting hiv back in the 90s they wanted it and they went out of their way to attempt to get themselves infected it's it's a weird and really horrible term for what it means but it could not be more applicable to these mouth-breathing fucking crab people shit is just ridiculous ah okay let's move past that shit right um Thank God for the distraction that the, uh, together at home broadcast (laughs) provided last night coming off of that, that little rally circumstance. Um, as far as these kinds of things go, it was a really good broadcast. Um, a few really interesting kind of things happened. Uh, Stevie Wonder killed lean on me. He, uh, did a tribute to Bill Withers who we lost earlier this month. Um, And the last episode, I I properly mourned him, gave him his dues. But uh, it was a really nice send-off, and Stevie Wonder and he were uh, good friends, and it brought tears to the eyes for sure. And we had, I mean, shit, even Lady Lady Gaga doing her cover of uh, a Charlie Chapin song, Smile, that most people know now from the Joker film. That was very solid, and uh, it was a good good way to kick things off. That was the first performance of the night. Then you had Billy Joe Armstrong doing uh, Wake Me Up When September Ends. But Jesus Christ, man, the dude seemed like he was desperate to be anywhere else, you know? And and do you really need to play that sad, somber-ass song? Like, I get it. We're all bummed out that we're at home, but let's not drive the point home even further, you know? Then you got John Legend and Sam Smith. They did a great job on uh, Stand By Me. And I hope somebody gives John Legend a uh, a good ration of shit for positioning the camera just so his rack of Grammys was right behind him as he played, you know? And... um. Yeah, but Sam Smith, man, he's adorable. He's just too adorable. He's so sweetly gay. He's just a a pudgy, smiling Uh, shantoose, we could call him. Uh, Can a man be a shantoose, even if he's very feminine? I don't know. I just did, so fuck it. But um, man, I knew that I knew Lizzo could hold her own, and she's you know got a, a really good voice as far as belting goes. But the way that she delivered Sam Cooke's uh, a classic, "A Change Is Gonna Come," that brought real goosebumps. It was really good. She drove that one the fuck home. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got the Rolling Stones, who everybody was very very excited to see play. Uh, they showed up one at a time, each from their own living rooms. As uh, you can't always get what you want. Played out and uh, Mick Jagger kicked it off, of course, on a solo acoustic at home before the other members joined on this uh, obvious classic from Let It Bleed. And what was really weird though is that Charlie was playing air drums on suitcases or whatever the hell was in front of him like he wasn't actually playing any percussion and he didn't just sit the thing out he was there he was pretending to play drums I guess it was a jump drum track maybe they played over a track you could hear organ on there too nobody was playing an organ um it was a good performance but shit was it was a little weird uh having Charlie pretend to play drums then you had Casey Musgraves. Uh, she had a beautiful performance of Rainbow. I mean, I'm still kind of new to Casey. I haven't fully let her in yet, but man, her voice is fantastic. And, uh, again, on the opposite end of that spectrum, Billie Eilish's performance of, uh, Sunny by Bobby Hebb was, it was good, but she may as well have been whispering. It was so damn hard to hear her. Brielle, my, uh, my 13 year old was very excited to see that performance. And she just kind of sat there, and was like, you can't really hear it. Um i don't know how someone like that is going to have a long career arc once the a s m r fixation falls off or whatever, but um hopefully somebody can teach her to project a little bit more because without a microphone she's just she 's almost useless it was weird ah so then there's eddie uh Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam he did River cross is a a very somber tune, very somber tune may as well be for a funeral It was very eulogistic uh played with a pump organ. And I mean, if, if Eddie's going to do any song off their new record off gigaton to immortalize that first performance memory, I guess I'd like it to be that one. I certainly don't want it to be any of the up-tempo rockers that, um, on the record, you know, I don't want to be thinking back to sitting at home on my couch, drinking a glass of wine with my family, watching the first performance of that. (laughs) You know, I, I want that to be actually at a show surrounded by thousands of other people, you know? Um, but it was a good rendition, Rivercross and, uh, It was just good. His vocals were a little low too, but, um, the share the light won't hold us down part. That was good. That was really good. That's where the goosebumps came from. And, uh, honestly, though, like, just like Wake Me Up when September ends and a few of the other ones, like, do we really need this super somber reminder that shit's fucked up right now? Like, we just, we don't. Um, and to that end, though, if you're gonna get serious about it, you may as well double down and do what, uh, Taylor Swift did she positively kicked the shit out of everybody's hearts for, uh, soon you'll get better. Uh, it was just her and a piano. Um, and man, those, the lyrics are just too, too applicable, too powerful, you know, about, about being there and not being able to let somebody go. Cause like, what is there without you, you know? And like, we need to get you back. We need to get you back on your feet. Um, it was really there was not a tear not a tear there was not a dry eye in the room in my house i'm i'm not embarrassed to say And right after that, you know, nobody stood a chance after that point when Lady Gaga and Celine Dion and Andrea Bocelli and John Legend finished the night with uh, The Prayer. And Celine and Andrea's voices are just so completely on another level. It was an amazing finish to a night of music. And you can be jaded that it's not, you know, a part of pop culture and not a a deeply recognizable song in today's day and age. But, man, for anybody with even just the slightest hint of culture, it's... uh, It was beautiful it was really incredible and it's been so long since i've seen andrea bocelli you think that these people don't age when um you know you don't see them in public for so long and then see him later and they're suddenly all grayed out and skinny and um i don't know how much time he has left but man that is incredible voice and i hope he's i hope he's still being productive and prolific as he's always been so anyway we are collectively tripping out right now because fiona apple's new record is far too good for its own good um Even with a full 30 seconds of the girl squawking and squeaking like a fucking dolphin, uh, it's just its so great. I'm telling you, Fetch the Bolt Cutters is the best thing I've heard so far this year. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. I'm pretty sure you have, though, because this thing is everywhere. It's been about uh, eight years, I think, since Fiona released her fourth album, The Idler Whale. And, um, that record, if my math is right, comes seven years on the heels of the previous record before that. So this is definitely few and far between. And, um, it's, it's, it's just so good. Fuck. I mean, she made it at a bunch of studios, uh, at least partially recorded, but rooted most of it at her home in LA with a very slim crew of backing musicians. Uh, They were focused on these just rich but minimalistic percussive sort of textures throughout the record. And it's a really nice cross between The Idler Wheel and Extraordinary Machine. I think it leans a little more towards Extraordinary Machine, maybe with a little bit of acid while listening to some jazz. But uh, shit, man, I mean, the song Newspaper Alone, that might be my favorite track right now. It's one of the more fascinating songs for sure. It's a... um, It's a woman's message to the new lover of her ex, and it's told through a mix of jealousy and empathy that kind of mixes mixes back and forth. the music sounds like a bat hitting a trash can sometimes, <laughs> I mean, you know, instead of pots and pans and so on, um, you know, accompanied at times by this chorus of these heavenly voices. But it's really fascinating to hear her wonder what lies her ex told the new girl to make sure that they'll never be friends. And she does it in this very sing song kind of way. Um, not necessarily Dr. Seussian, but the imagery, the vocal imagery is really, really great. And, uh, you know, I listen to, to most new music in the car, at least music that I'm excited about. It's just, it's got a good sound system. I like going on drives and I'm not going to be interrupted by a bunch of unnecessary bullshit, you know, uh, especially tucked into the home with everybody like, like we are right now. But, um, so for the new Fiona record, I brought my dog Koto along cause he likes to go on drives and, uh, whatever Fiona's dogs were saying at the end of the title track, um, I, I don't know, but he was freaking the fuck out. Uh, it was, it was hilarious. I kept rewinding it for him, and he's like, what's going on? What, what is this? Uh, the credits note the backing barks contributions of Mercy, Maddie, Leo, and Alfie. I assume those are her dogs, but, um, shit, man. Yeah. It, it was funny and it's good. But the album's title comes from a line of dialogue in the uh, British police drama The Fall. It was spoken by a sex crimes investigator who fans will know as Gillian Anderson formerly of the X-Files um in the process of rescuing a girl who was held captive and tortured so thematically i think that's pretty on point but you know over the years fiona has uh she certainly earned her caricature as this spiteful scorned woman forever raging at the the cruel and unsympathetic men in her life but um that's not the case here at all. It's actually happy. She's not dipping into the bitterness and the the sorrow of it. And whatever bitterness and sorrow has been experienced or has has a need to be expressed is done through a very clever delivery that's empowering and strong. It's it's fucking crazy, man. I was uh, I was pretty convinced that Run the Jewels were going to run away with the uh, best album of the year because. Shit, what I've heard so far off RTJ4 is just fire. Just so fucking good. Um, But Fetch the Bolt Cutters is one of those empowering records that's it's really light on its feet and far more powerful through these whimsical observations of strength than it would be through, you know, shaking fists and clenched teeth. It's just such a fucking great record. And it's going to be rad to see these songs live, however long it takes to make it back out there, you know? I remember... fuck, this is 2012, it was before uh, the last album came out, she played South by Southwest, and she was very, very nervous, and it was during quite a pivotal time in my life, I had just decided uh, with the mother of my children that our relationship wasn't going to work out, and it was a a stark and sobering time, Um, and I went down to see her, feeling really lost inside, I remember, I was by myself, and uh, I was in the photo pit, and she came out and started playing, and it was unbelievable. It was so cathartic and beautiful, and the fact that she was just racked with stage fright, you could see she was shaking and just looked very uh very worrisome um, and it, it obviously she shook it out and it like hit a stride and was really good, and she played the song "Anything We Want," which might to this day be my very happiest, best favorite Fiona Apple song. It's just so beautiful and um, holds a real strong value for me on a personal level. But I remember seeing it just being so blown the fuck away by this girl who looked like you just blow on her and she'd fall over. But man, um, I can't wait to see her live again. It's going to be good. So check this record out. Yeah. But all that reminds me, uh, there are a ton of people right now that are just totally up shit's Creek when it comes to tickets. Tickets for any show. Um, Ticketmaster has announced, as I'm sure you've heard, that they're not refunding purchases for postponed shows, only canceled shows. And this is a change to their policy after initially offering um, refunds to people, but I'm sure they got a flood of them because shit. I mean, people need to get their fucking hands on some money right now, you know, or or the postponed shows happen on dates they can't make or whatever the situation may be. Um, but there is hope if you're one of those people, that's what I wanted to let you know. Um, if you paid with a credit card, don't stress on this shit. Um, you will get your money back. Just be diligent. Call the number on the back of your card. Tell them that you want to dispute the charge. Explain that you purchased tickets for a show on a specific day and you don't want credit for a different day. You want a refund. That person who you speak to will definitely help you. And if they can't, hang up and call back because somebody will definitely help you. Those people are there specifically for these causes. You have to file a dispute. Whatever fucking Ticketmaster's policy is now, it does not matter. What matters is only what it was when you purchased the ticket. You will definitely get your money back. Credit card companies do not fuck around here. Uh, banks either, for that matter. They just don't give a shit about Ticketmaster's bottom line. They care about policy. And, uh, oh, that reminds me. Not all debit cards are created equal. A lot of people think, like, oh, shit, I paid with my debit card. Like, that's as good as cash. I'm out fucking out of luck. Um, some banks will be just as vigilant as credit card companies. Uh, You know, of course, some will treat your purchase as if, as if it was made with cash, meaning you're pretty much shit out of luck. But... Uh, If you're not sure what they can do, call your bank, go into a branch for advice, do whatever you can, because you can't just let these companies take your fucking money, especially in a situation like this. And just as a reminder, any rights that you have as a consumer, this is critically important. Any rights that you have as a consumer were not given to you by banks. They were not given to you by credit card companies. They were fought for and they were codified into law by Democrats. I'm not someone who's going to sit here and tell you every fucking podcast who to vote for. But you need to remember that shit when you go to vote in November. And when you think about, oh, I can't vote for Biden. He's a piece of shit and he's fucking a degenerate and whatever. He's, He's losing his mind. He has dementia. Whatever you want to say about him we're not necessarily just voting for a presidency in November. We're voting for lifetime appointment judges that Trump is going to have an opportunity to spend four more years packing the courts with. That's all I'm going to say as far as politics go today. But um you got to remember that shit because these rights and these rules were not just offered to you and you need to flex them. So call your credit card company, stay on it, be diligent. You will get your money back. And for me, That's a lot of fucking money, so I'm going to be doing exactly the same thing. But uh, right now, this is where I leave you sexy bitches. I've got to get ready for 420 tomorrow. Got quite a holiday to look forward to, but (laughs) I've got uh, bread to bake and fires to make and bad habits to break. But um, Oh, speaking of habits, I'm finally getting into yoga for the first time in my entire goddamn life, after my whole family's been involved with it for as many years as I can remember. I wanted to for many years, but I always found a reason not to, you know, except now Ari Shafir, uh, the comedian is guiding people through 30 days of yoga on his YouTube channel. Uh, yes, it's that comedian Ari Shafir that everybody hates because of his shitty things that he said about Kobe right after he died. Um, and yeah, that was fucked up and yeah, I was definitely pissed at Ari for a while after that. Um. And y'all are welcome to virtue signal your asses off and condemn me for exercising to a YouTube video <laughs> because of that, but... Um The videos are legitimately fucking hilarious. And Ari knows exactly what the fuck he's doing when it comes to this yoga shit. You go through a 30-minute session each time, and he guides you through a handful of poses and breathing techniques while also giving himself rewards of tequila or vape pens along the way and uh, suffering for it (laughs) as the the video progresses. Uh, But he fully makes up the names of poses he doesn't remember the proper titles for, and um, each one is pretty damn funny. The shit has me laughing my ass off every day at like 5.30 in the morning. Uh, it's the only time I can do it, honestly, without other people in the house being around fucking up my flow. I don't know why. It's, uh, it's still profoundly embarrassing to me to do yoga around other people. Probably, probably just because I suck at it really badly right now. And, and I don't, I just don't want motherfuckers laughing at me while I'm trying to do some goddamn sun salutations, you know? If I'm putting in the effort to improve myself, that kind of ridicule throws me right off my track. But, uh yeah, it's pretty stupid to be hung up on that dumb shit, for sure. And I'm sure it'll change once I get a little better and don't feel like a complete piece of shit like I do right now. But um stay tuned. I'm only on day four now. All right, you sexy motherfuckers. Have a good 420. Look out for each other. Don't go outside, at least not too far off your own property. And uh take care of yourselves, all right?
1: We're all gonna end up in the Hunger Games, and I hope you're ready to go when the Hunger Games start. Or guess what? You're gonna be the first person on the barbecue. You know what I'm talking about? If you can't defend yourself, you're gonna be the first person on the barbecue. Read the books. Read how when conti- when society decays, you get to a point. Hey, how are the waves out there? Good. Okay, good. Uh, I gotta go surf the waves today too.
2: We play with a heavy balloon. We we'll keep it up to keep the devil at bay, but it always falls way too soon. People like us, we play with a heavy balloon. We we'll keep it up to keep the devil at bay, but it always falls way too soon. People like us, we play with a heavy balloon. Keep it up to keep the devil at bay But it always falls way too soon I spread it like strawberries I climb like peas and beans I've been sucking it in so long That I'm busting at the seams I spread it like strawberries I climb like peas and beans I've been sucking it in so long like the sun with the a I want to stare me down Forcing all forms of life inside of me to retreat underground It grows relentless like the teeth of a rat It's just got to keep on on at me And it constricts like a ball on a hose Nothing flows so the pressure grows instead of the seed People like us get so heavy and so lost sometimes so lost and so heavy that the bottom is the only place we can find you get dragged down down to the same spot enough times in a row the bottom begins to feel like the only safe place that you know but you know what i spread like strawberries i climb like peas and beans i've been sucking it in so long that i'm busting at the seams Relax.